Hello and good morning my friends. Our Lord is still good. All the time he's good uh, because he's God, our creator, our provider, our savior and our Lord. We are glad that we have Jesus in our hearts and for that reason we can look at life differently. Even in circumstances where we feel under pressure, we can trust in Jesus and afford to put a smile on the face. Like the children's song says, with Jesus in the boat, I can smile at the storm. He is our good Lord indeed. Today I want us to look back at what we talked about last Sunday. The whole question of handling broken people. How to Jesus met them and restored them uh, back to normal life. Even though they had been excluded and people had written them off. And I want to particularly look at um, a few individuals who are notable in the, in, the, in the Gospels and separate them out from the crowd and look at uh, each one of them individually. My name is uh, Bae, Nimrod Bae from Koinonia Ministries in Nairobi and I welcome you all to our morning service this Sunday morning. First of all, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are glad to be alive. The sun is shining and the sky is blue and the birds are singing up in the sky. Nor do we do realize, Lord, that things are not uh, as they ought to be because the world is disorderly, it is becoming dangerous, and our lives are under pressure in, in various ways. But it is for that reason you came. It is for that reason you died at the cross, to set us free from any form of oppression, from any kind of fear, even the very fear of death itself, to heal our diseases, and to give us hope of life with you in your heavenly home. We come to you this morning, bringing to you all our heartaches, all our sorrows and our griefs, being confident that you will touch us and we shall be healed. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. Now friends, our reading this morning is from the book of Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. And we are going to discuss uh, under uh, the heading, He touched me. He touched me. Um, the word of God says, When he came down from the mountain, when he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. Amen. Praise be to God. Now, let us begin by saying that uh, according to the reading we had last Sunday 
from Luke chapter 4, Jesus declared that he came to earth to preach the good news to the poor. And we see that the poor people are not just those who lacked money or wealth or the comforts of this life. It is people who, in one way or another, were not living healthy and happy lives because of their particular condition. And we saw the attitude of society and even of the religious community towards people of this kind. Some were isolated, others were hated, others were feared. And we want to look at uh, very particular cases out of the many people who came to Jesus with their particular situations and how he handled each one of them as an individual and see what we can learn from the way Jesus handled people with such issues. And perhaps as a church, we can begin to revise our methods and our approaches to handling people's uh, concerns. Um, straight away, I want us to look at um, the case we have just read about, the man with the leprosy. Jesus had been preaching on the mountain. And after he finished his talk, uh, talking, he came down from the mountains. And the people were surprised and amazed at his teaching because he preached with authority, not like their teachers. And there straight away, a line is drawn between the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of the religious community at that time. And I want to dare say that is the same case today. When you compare how Jesus taught, the things he said, how he said it, the occasions when he said them, the locations and the people he talked to, there are miles and miles of difference between him and the way we ministers in our churches minister to people. What happened here? A man with leprosy came to Jesus and stated as a matter of fact that if only you were willing, you can make me clean. What does he mean clean? Now, lepers were the most isolated people uh, at that time. And even now they have to be handled in, in separate uh, locations. But really, it was a real stigma during those days to have leprosy. And by the way, I read somewhere um, a certain person with leprosy, when he was addressed as a leper, he protested and said, I am not a leper. I am a person suffering from leprosy. Let us be kind to the people we call lepers as well. But so they were treated in isolation, in their own, shall we say, colonies, away from society, away from people. But in this particular case, this particular man with the leprosy came to Jesus knowing that he was different from the rest of the people and that he would be sympathetic to his particular condition. And Jesus was. Jesus reached out his hand 
and touched the man. People who had been declared unclean and untouchable, Jesus was willing to touch them. The result, the man was instantly healed of his leprosy. What a touch and how that touch is so missed in our fellowships today. And I think it is instructive, my friends, that uh, this encounter with Christ happened soon after he had finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount because it was intended for his, uh, for his uh, disciples and also for the crowds and also for the religious community at that time. And one of the very notable teachings from the Sermon on the Mount is the, what is called the Golden Rule. And the, uh, the golden rule is, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And so when the man pleads, Lord, you can make me clean, Jesus had no hesitation. He touched him and the man became clean. Secondly, I would like us to look at the Samaritan woman uh, from John chapter 4. Now, what was the matter with this woman? From the outside, I suppose she looked okay. She wasn't sick at all in the way we define sickness. But she was in a tight dilemma. She had a problem that needed delicate handling. First of all, she was a woman in a society that had rather lowly views of women. Then she was a Samaritan, a race that was uh, people who were of a mixed race, Jews and uh, Gentiles, and they were hated and despised and excluded from the life in the kingdom of Israel. They could not even come to the temple or anything like that. Furthermore, this woman, uh, this woman's social habits also was a concern for her isolation. So she's a woman, she's a Samaritan, and she had had five husbands at the time Jesus was speaking to her. Now, some commentators call her a prostitute. Now, the Bible doesn't quite say she was a prostitute. And so I want to be kind to her. I want to check possi the possibility that she had underlying conditions that caused her to go from one husband to another one. And my cue, Jesus says, you have had five husbands, not lovers. That's why I say she was not necessarily a bad woman, but she was a desperate woman for one reason or another. Now, um, a story is told of an American uh, professor at a Bible school who was teaching on this subject. And he asked groups of people to, to look at this woman, or the students to, to look at uh, this woman and, and come up with their, their, um, their feeling. What, what kind of person was she? What was her issues? And a group of uh, African students got together and very quickly came up with a, a response. This woman had no children. That was a problem. Now, I don't know whether that was true or not, 
But um, I want us to look at our society, my friends, especially our traditional societies. If a woman is unable to have children, what do we call her? Barren, useless. Remember the story of Hannah in the Bible? Her co-wife, Penina, was full of hurting words, despising her and calling her names. And so we tend to do, even today, we treat women who are unable to have children as if they are worthless. Now, so this woman was probably, if that was the case, she was probably heartbroken. She was probably suffering from a kind of depression. She was looking for somebody, who'd, a man who would love her as she, and accept her as she was. And she moved from one man to another one, and she couldn't find one who would love her, except Jesus Christ, who met her at the well and spoke to her tenderly and gave her significance and also gave her something to do. And she went into the village and gave her testimony to the village. And through her, the whole village came to Jesus. And they heard the word of God from the very lips of Christ. And they, became, they were, became followers of Christ. Now friends, this is the work of the church. We are to bring people to Christ, whatever their condition, whatever their situation, and let Jesus touch their lives. We should not stand in the way. We should not erect barriers between people and Christ. Let them come and present their case to Christ. Let him be the judge. Nobody has appointed us to be judges. We are mere messengers. Now, let's look at uh, another, uh, an, uh, the case of uh, a man this time. Uh, okay, another man, uh, Zacchaeus. Now, the dream of every young man who is in school or college is to graduate and go out and get a good job and a good salary and live well and go up the ladder of success and promotion right to the top. Yeah, the sky is the limit. And Zacchaeus, from the outside, Zacchaeus looks like he had made it. He looked like a wealthy and successful career civil servant a tax collector, a chief tax collector. But in actual fact, this man was regarded as a turncoat, as one who had betrayed his people by working for the hated and despised Roman authorities. And furthermore, he was a collector. He was demanding taxes on behalf of the colonizing authority. And while well, at the same time, he made himself rich out of these collections. But let me ask you, my friend, is there anything about Zacchaeus we could have possibly made him want to work for the Roman authorities, contrary to the feelings of his people? Now, Luke tells us that Zacchaeus was a short man. He was, short, he was short of stature. And so when he tried to see Jesus, he couldn't because of the crowds, because he was a short man. But the man was so desperate 
and they really wanted to see Jesus, that he even forgot his station in life. He climbed up a tree like a young boy, hoping to see Jesus. And indeed, his quest was satisfied because Jesus came right under the tree and looked at him and addressed him by his name. And here let, us, let me ask you and I, where, what do we call people who are short? We call them shorty. Shorty. But here Jesus comes and talks to Zacchaeus by his name. In the village, in the, in the neighborhood, he's called a tax collector. In, among his peers, he's called shorty. And probably, this is the reason which had driven Zacchaeus to work for the Roman authorities, so that he can be in a, in a position of authority. And also has his wage bill paid by the community, you know, as a way of getting back to them, for despising him because of his physical stature. It was not his fault. And there are people like that even now living among us. We call them all manner of names. You cripple, you leper, you so-and-so. And we have excluded them from participating in society because of our negative attitude towards them. Christ came and make a, made a difference in the lives of the people he met, and he touched them. Now, there are so many other cases like that, uh, but, but, but I, 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 I will just uh, skip uh, a few of them. But I, was, I want, in, in passing, to mention the woman who had an issue of blood for the whole 12 years, the law provided that as long as the issue of blood persisted, he was to be excluded from society. But she touched Jesus and she was healed. And then there was a the case of the demoniac who had a legion of demons in him. He lived among the tombs and he was naked. And when Jesus came to him, Jesus healed him instantly and he became an instant evangelist. He went back to his hometown and preached throughout the city, telling them about Jesus. I want us to talk about another case in the Old Testament. Um, Jesus was not physically present, but his spirit was present. I want, to talk as, I want us to talk about the case of uh, a person called Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son and grandson to King Saul. Jonathan, as you know, was a friend of uh, King David. And when David became king, he wanted to know whether there's any person uh, surviving in the, from the family of uh, Saul to whom David could show kindness. And he was told there was a man called Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was crippled. What had happened is, when when Saul and, uh, and Jonathan died in war, the king's family decided they were going to run out of town. And as the maid who carried uh, Mephibosheth was running with him, he, she accidentally dropped him and he became crippled. And he was crippled for life. But when David asked for him to come, he told them, you can live in my house and eat here all the days of your life. As for the wealth of your, of your grandfather, King Saul, 
uh, they shall be restored to you. Now, that was something amazing really and very godly. But this is what Mephibosheth said in response. He said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Did you hear that? Mephibosheth refers to himself as a dead dog. Let me ask you, my friends, what or who could have put that kind of idea in the mind of this young man? I am assuming he was a young man. I suppose it is the society itself. The way they looked at him because of his physical condition. And he came to look at himself as a dead dog, a good for nothing. But look at the kindness of David. And David actually did mention he wanted to show this young man the kindness and the love of God. And it made all the difference in this uh, uh, person's life. Now, from these stories, I believe you can see um, uh, what, 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 what my aim is. The topic of our discussion is, He touched me. And my argument is this, my friend. If there was anything that is lacking in the church today, it is the human touch. It is a, a, it is a place where people can come with whatever condition they are in and receive acceptance. Those who are rejected in the world, from the world, those who are excluded because, they are, because of their gender, because of their sickness, because of their race or tribe, because of other, because they are poor or because they are ignorant, they are, they are illiterate, they cannot read and write. Everyone who feels excluded, if the church had a real place where they feel welcome with genuine love, where somebody can touch them and affirm them as a normal uh, human being created in God's image, who deserves to be loved and to live in dignity. If we had a place like that in our hearts and in our fellowships, I'm telling you the world would be a different place. Because those people we call marginalized, those people we say in, in, our, in our statistics during conferences, are living below the poverty line. They happen to be the majority in our society, especially in the third world. They are the majority. You know, those who cannot feed themselves, those who cannot afford medication, medical care, those who walk long distances because they cannot afford to pay the fare for a bus, those who are unable to pay their rent, those who cannot even buy clothes for themselves and their families, they are the majority to our shame, they are the majority in our, in, our, in our communities. Is there no place in our hearts? Is there no, as, as followers of Jesus Christ? Yeah, there are no programs where people can come and, and feel at home, away from the cold and away from rejection and isolation. I believe that is what Christ intended his church to be. The original church met in homes, People ate and drank together and, and broke bread in their homes. The church today has become an institution. It has lost its feeling. It has lost its touch. What has happened, my friends? And what should we do? But let us admit it. Jesus 
called to himself men and women whom society had rejected. Those who have been made by the attitude of society to feel, to, have, to live with a sense of guilt and a, and, and a sense of, of shame and rejection. Jesus showed them love, acceptance, and he affirmed them and gave them responsibilities uh, to, go, to go and perform, you know? And so everybody matters. There's nobody who is useless. There are no dead dogs in the human family. God knows each one of us. God has a purpose for us. We mentioned the other day from uh, Ephesians 2.10, God, those God Jesus has called, he called them before the world was created. And each one of them has a purpose. There is an, a responsibility, a job that has been, was selected or was designed for a particular person uh, in this life. And so there's nobody who is to be excluded. There's nobody who to be rejected. There's nobody who is to be judged on account of what he is or who he is. Our simple task as Christians and as a church of Jesus Christ is to lead people to Christ. Let them, let them handle these people, these men, these women. He only is able to handle our soul's diseases. Let us not tamper with them. We might make things worse thinking we are making them better. But my, my real issue is with what the Bible, the, what the Church of Christ has become. Compare the Church of Christ at the beginning in the Apostolic Church and the Church today. We are more concerned about putting up structures that anybody can see. Prestigious building, prestigious furnishings, prestigious lifestyles, prestigious names and titles. But our impact on society is becoming less and less. Our influence on, on, in our society is, 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 is fading. The NGOs are taking over. Other, you know, civil authorities are taking over what used to be the work of the church. Friends, it is time to rethink the whole question of what church should be and what church has become. The concept of the church as a living body, the body of Christ, which is, uh, uh, which is conscious, which has feelings, which is conscious about the feelings of people, the, needs of the, real, the real needs of the people, should be restored as much as God is able to restore it. And God is willing, if only we are able. We need the touch of Jesus Christ ourselves because we are sick. We have turned the church into a making money, money making business. What a shame. People are hurting, people are grieving, and we are collecting taxes from them. How are we different from the tax collectors? How are we different from the priests and the Pharisees uh, and, the, and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law who lived on the sweat of the people when the, the, the world and the Roman authorities had bled them, you know, dry uh, by heavy taxes. We need to make a difference in the world. Oh, men and women of God, let people come to Christ. Let them come to Christ. Let him touch them. Now, uh, you remember the story of the children, uh, parents bringing their children to Jesus Christ. 
so that he could touch them. And disciples said, no, 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 no. He rebuked the parents. They rebuked the parents. Go back, no, take out your children. And, and Christ said, no, let the children come to me. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as this. You see, my friend, the difference between the church and Jesus Christ? We decide on behalf of Christ that he should not be bothered. When in fact he wants the children to come to him so that he can touch them, so that he can be affirmed as members of the human race. So now my friends, this is what I want to leave uh, with us here. I want to say that the church must come down from the mountain to where the people live, where the people labor and toil. We must get involved in the daily struggles of the suffering masses. We have to be their spokesman. There's a group called Civil Society that, that handles people's uh, social issues. My friends, if you look up back at history, you will see that the church was the very first civil society. And over the ages, the church has always interceded on behalf of the people with the governments and with God. Now that role, we are surrendering it to, to, uh, to other social groups, even to the internet. We must insist on the preaching and teaching of the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ and apply its values and its principles in practical terms that offer solutions to people's daily lives and the challenges of this life. And finally, finally, I have already said, but let me say it again, let the people come to Jesus. Let us not erect barriers between the people and their Savior and their God. Let everybody, every needy person, therefore, feel that they are loved, they are appreciated, and they are welcome for, to Christ, for he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And as I conclude, I want to invite all of you who hear this, this message, and all those who will hear this kind of message elsewhere, to know that Christ invites you as you are. Come to him and come right now. Now, in response to guilt, Jesus forgives sins. In, in respect to rejection, Jesus is welcoming and says, come to me, all of you. As far as, uh, uh, as shame is concerned, remember that Jesus himself took away our shame when he was uh, stripped naked and hung on the cross like a criminal. So he, took, he takes away our guilt, he takes away our shame, and he takes away our rejection. Come to Jesus, my friend. Come to him and receive forgiveness for your sins. Ask him to come to your life. Bring him all your needs. He will handle them. Bring to him the heart, the heart in your heart, the grief, the pressure, the oppression, the expectations that you have suffered in this our society and our community. Jesus will touch you. Let him touch you and make you whole 
as he did for the people we have just considered. Let them, every needy person, uh, adopt this as their testimony. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. He touched me and all the joy that floods my soul, something happened. And I know, oh yes, I know, he touched me. And may God bless you, my friend. Come to Jesus today. Amen. Now I want to invite you to look at the number on your screen and do call us and speak to us. Uh, there's also an email number there. Write to us. Let us have a discussion. Let us have a forum on these issues. They are meant to be discussed. I thank you for listening. Bye-bye.